Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's the Cleveland Guardians 14, the Kansas City Royals 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And this was the game we were waiting for. This no one-run games here. This was the game we wanted to see from our Guardians against the Kansas City Royals. We wanted to see them beat up on the last place team in the American League Central Division. And not only that, not only that, they do take over first place in the American League Central with the Twins losing. I think the Twins have lost a couple in a row now. Uh, they're on a three-game losing streak. Uh, so still a below 500 team at 39 and 40. The Guardians are now in first place in the American League Central. I feel like we should be celebrating it, but at the same time, it feels really weird to celebrate first place when you still have a losing record, when you're still half a game under 500. So hopefully we can correct that tomorrow and feel a little bit better about first place. But the important thing is the power uh, in a ballpark that is difficult to hit home runs in. The Guardians offense finally shows up. You know, I again, at the start of this game, I, I was a little bit worried. You know, Naylor has that double, that leadoff double in the second inning. And uh, we can't get the run in. Uh, Josh Bell does have a productive out. He lines out deep to right field. Naylor moves up to third, but then Jimenez, uh, reaches for one, grounds out the second base. I'm thinking to myself, ah, nah, yeah, we're not going to get this run in now. Uh, Brennan walks, uh, which, you know, you were talking about it last night, walking Brennan. They do walk him. Straw has the bat and he hits grounds into a force out. So they don't score that run. And I'm thinking, is this going to be one of those nights? Oh, but then the third inning. The third inning, I frankly, was all we needed. I, you know, some Guardians games, this literally would have been enough. Uh, but the home runs start flowing in the third inning. The Guardians would end the day with, I believe it was a three home runs, three big home runs, but also a triple from Ahmed Rosario and multiple doubles, uh, four doubles on the day. So the slugging shows up for the Cleveland Guardians. Clearly, this is my top storyline. I am pumped up about this offense. You know, it's funny, on big offensive days like this, the the amount of analysis is actually pretty low. Um, You know, uh, power is power. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't matter what the count is, you know, with the situation in the game, when the pitcher makes a mistake and you can make them pay like that, uh, that's all it takes sometimes. Now, I do have some thoughts on a few of these, um, especially uh, Jose Ramirez is right. When he hits this grand slam in the third inning, it starts with a Bo Naylor single. By the way, Bo Naylor had himself a great game, uh, multi-hit game. I want to say three-hit game. Yes, a three-hit game for Naylor uh, has got that very, very early batting average up to 214 with a 611 OPS. By the way, Artie has a better OPS than Miles Straw, hitting ahead of him in the lineup. Uh, Even though Straw did have two hits uh, in this one, including an infield dribbler uh, later in the game, the get on base for Bo Naylor's home run. Uh, But Naylor leads this thing off with a single. 
Juan and Rosario draw walks, and I'm sorry, you were just you were setting yourselves up for all kinds of pain. If you were going to walk the bases loaded with nobody out ahead of Jose Ramirez, and Ramirez jumps on the first pitch, hits it 108.4 miles per hour. It's a low inside fastball, and he turns and pulls it down the left field line into the bullpen, 17-degree launch angle. 387 would have been a home run in 25 out of 30 ballparks. Not surprisingly, Progressive Field is not on that list because of the high wall. Uh, Most of these ballparks here listed have a high wall. Uh, Baltimore, Boston, Oakland, and Atlanta. It would not have been a home run. Uh, So it's a laser, a line shot, 108.4 miles per hour. And actually, it was tied with Drew Waters for the hardest hit ball of the day. And uh, it got me thinking. I love episodes. I love episodes when I get to do a deep dive on Jose Ramirez. And uh, I wanted to see batting right-handed. You know, uh, he he continues the trend this year that he's, he's probably not as good of a hitter right-handed as he is left-handed. I mean, he's hitting, as a left-handed hitter, he's hitting 342 this season with a 983 OPS. As a right-handed hitter, he's only hitting 202 with a 687 OPS. But the most of that OPS is supported by the slugging. He's still slugging 447 uh, as a right-handed hitter, as opposed to 564 as a left-handed hitter. So he is still slugging a little bit. So I wanted to look, as a right-handed hitter, how much power does he exhibit from those low inside pitches? Is that a pitch he usually does a lot of damage on? From that low inside corner, he is batting 500. Now, it's it's not a lot. It's a smaller sample size as a right-handed hitter. Uh, but he is batting 500 there. But he's also slugging 500, which tells you what? Nothing has been for power. No extra base hits. If the batting average and the slugging percentage match, that means it's all singles. And in fact, when we go over to his ISO, which ISO measures, uh, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here, ISO measures the raw power of a hitter by taking only extra base hits and the type of extra base hit into account. Uh, For example, a player goes one for five with a double has an ISO of 200. Uh, So yes, but they'd also have a batting average of 200. Um, So uh, yeah, so looking at the ISO, his ISO from pitches down and in like that as a right-handed hitter is zero. So this is his first extra base hit uh, from that spot. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting here. I can't look at his whole career. I can jump back to last year maybe, uh, and we could take a look. Did he have any home runs, again, as a right-handed hitter? Did he have any home runs uh, from that uh, area? No, no home runs from that zone, that down and in quadrant. So uh, not necessarily a normal power spot, a spot that he definitely gets the bat on the ball, and he gets a lot of hits. Uh, He had, let's see here, uh, he had a double uh, down there last year. That was it. He had one hit from that zone as a right-handed hitter. Uh, Most of the hits he got were from pitches out over the plate uh, as a right-handed hitter last year. So, yeah, so uh, it is a bit of a unique home run from Jose Ramirez right here. And it's in the third inning, which, let me tell you something. I had my dog for uh, six years old, 
So I've spent a lot of summers out there walking them in the you know the local parks, walking them around the neighborhood, and listen to a lot of games on the radio. Heard a lot of third innings when it's the Liberty Ford Grand Slam inning. Uh, you know, this random person, you know, if the Guardians hit a home run, a Grand Slam in this inning, this random person wins a truck, right? I've listened to it a lot. We've actually loaded the bases before. They would come close, but I've never heard the truck actually given away. I've never heard anyone actually win this thing. Because, I mean, how? what are the chances the Guardians are going to hit a Grand Slam in the one inning you identify, right? That's the whole point of the promotion. They did it. They did it. Some dude on Twitter, and he's he's he was on. He was watching. He was listening. Uh, he knew his game was coming up, and uh, he wins the truck. I just, it's fun for someone who's listened to Hamilton do that ad read over and over and over again. I'm so glad someone finally won the truck, and we hit the grand slam in the correct inning. So, uh, I mean, man, I, you talk about the energy on this team changes. With this grand slam, we've talked about it. We we've definitely talked about it. If you know, it's nice that the guys are getting on base. It's nice to get hits with runners on base. But there is something special still about a home run. It changed the energy in that dugout when Jose hits the grand slam, and the offense goes off. Now it helps that some of the pitchers we were facing for Kansas City are making their like third appearance. The next guy that we beat up on. Or, or the guy we really go off on in the sixth inning it was his major league debut. So, I mean, yes, we were beating up on some very young uh, AAA pitching here. But it still felt good uh, to show that, yes, from time to time, this team does have power. Josh Bell would be the next one up with a big home run. Jose Ramirez would walk after a nailer ground out. Bell goes out and reaches one up out over the plate, hits it 106.2, but hits it 464 feet into the fountains in right center field. My God, we've talked about it before. When Bell connects, it hits different. Uh, It is a surge of power. 30 out of 30 ballparks for this thing. Uh, A monster shot from Josh Bell. Makes it a 6 to nothing game. Uh, that one happened when I was putting the kid to bed. So I came downstairs uh, to find out about that one. But I was in my seat for the sixth inning. Uh, I got to see Bo Naylor with his first major league home run. Uh, you know, they show the side angle of Bo Naylor and Josh uh, at different points in this game. Uh, swinging, uh, that side kind of low angle replay. I wonder how similar. I You know, maybe I'll take the time one of these days to actually... Uh, it would be it'd be some work to to pull the clips and line them up and see uh, you know a lot of times guys at the point of impact actually have like identical swings. Uh, Naylor the Naylor brothers have different stances and, and maybe a different uh, set to their app, to their swing. But I wonder if the actual swing and the actual follow through are pretty similar between the two brothers. Uh, both of them uh, had some very hard swings in this one. And uh, Bo gets his first home run, puts an outside pitch, a low outside pitch, and puts it out in the left field, left center field, 106.9 miles per hour, uh, 417 feet. Would have been a home run in 27 out of 30 ballparks. 
And uh, sure, let's go to the at-bat. You know, it's the guy's first Major League home run. So starts him off, uh, James MacArthur starts him off with a sinker that he lays off down low for ball one. Comes back with a curveball on the inside edge for a caught strike. Tries to go back outside with a sinker, and he was ready for it. You know, Naylor at a different point in this game actually just kind of took an outside pitch and just poked it down uh, the left field line, you know, Towards the empty empty third base spot. They were pulling him way around to pull. Uh, so there was a huge hole over there at third base. So he doesn't do that. But again, handling an outside pitch. Uh, showing that plate coverage. And, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, it's nice that Naylor is getting hits. But, you know, it's been kind of all single so far. And I know this kid's got power. And it shows up here. Uh, it is a mighty swing. Uh, 417 is no joke out there to left center field. So uh, it is a hard two-seam sinker. It is a fastball-type pitch, and he does a great job with that plate coverage and driving it out to left center field. So a huge home run there from Bo Naylor. And the guards just continue to roll this inning. I mean, it it did not stop from there. Uh, The good vibes kept going. Quan with a single. Ahmed Rosario pulls a triple into the right field corner. Uh, Whether Ahmed Rosario was going to go for third or not, Quan was definitely going to score because he is fantastic at scoring from first. Uh, boy, what a theme of the podcast that has been. Ramirez draws a walk. Naylor ropes a double uh, in the right center field. Bell uh, takes an excuse me swing and pokes one down the left field line uh, for a double. So uh, a couple ground outs bring the last run around to score. So it is an absolute rout. At this point in the sixth inning, uh, at that the seven run sixth inning, whew, makes it a thirteen and nothing game. Uh, they'd add one more in the seventh inning uh, before Kansas City gets their one run. At that point, it, it didn't even matter. Were, were any of you actually watching the game? Like I had it on. Uh, I believe it was Jose Ramirez's double that scores Bo Naylor, who had walked to lead off the inning, uh, that gets that final run across. Uh, Hosey with another hard hit ball at 106.2. So, yeah, the Guardians were just absolutely racking up the uh, hard exit velocity uh, stuff on this one. Uh, In fact, uh, as a team, the Royals give up 14 hard hit balls. Uh, The Guardians give up 11. So the offense, I mean, just absolutely cooking from top to bottom. I believe... Everyone except for Andres Jimenez. Oh, and Will Brennan. Uh, Brennan did not have a hit. Jimenez and Brennan are the only ones without hits in the starting lineup. Um, But some monster, monster games. Multi-hit games from a bunch of people in the lineup. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we knew the offense had it in them to have days like this. Like We know that Ramirez and Naylor and Bell and even younger Naylor are power hitters, right? They can be described as power hitters. It just hadn't shown up enough. So it's weird on a night, it all shows up at the same time. And you'll take it, but uh, definitely want to spread this out and keep this going and keep this good vibe going. Uh, again, I respect the opinion, You know, the conversation we had a week or so ago about getting on base and about you know doing it the Guardian's way. You felt the difference tonight. A home run is such a game changer, especially with men on base. 
when it's a crooked number and one swing in the bat and you're up 4 nothing. It's just, you can't compete with that. Uh, it's such a game changer. So I want the Guardians to continue to playing the way they play. Look, drawing walks is what led to this inning, right? Loading the bases via walk. So getting on base, huge key to this thing. But to be able to finish it and finish it in style, man, that felt good. For once this season, that felt good. So, uh, yeah. Uh, 14 runs on 14 hits. All right. On the other side of things, uh, on the pitching side of things, it didn't really matter much what Logan Allen did, uh, but we should talk about it because he only lasts, somehow he only lasts three and two-thirds innings, but only gives up three hits, no runs, gives up only two walks, five works, five strikeouts, but somehow he throws 98 pitches in three and two-thirds, doesn't even finish the fourth inning. He's only hard hit six times, so that was an issue. I mean, just apparently working super, super deep into at-bats. Did miss with a bunch of fastballs. There's a ton of fastballs that the lefty left off the arm side of the plate that he left high. There's a bunch of change-ups that he left off the arm side of the plate. So, uh, you know, not clearly not an efficient uh, start. Worked a ton of guys into 2-2 two -two counts. Worked a ton of guys into full counts. Uh, in fact, uh, it was interesting here with a full count. Uh, I can't really count how many guys make it to a full count because they count it by pitch. So I know if someone gets... If any other count in the at-bat, I know that pitch represents one hitter. But at a full count, you I mean technically you could foul off uh, pitches in a full count, and every pitch here could represent one batter. So it's a little hard to say, but he threw, I could tell you he threw four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pitches in a full count. A ton of guys make it to two and two. Uh, 11, uh, 14, 15, 16 guys make it to a two two count. So. Uh, yeah, working really, really deep in the counts against Logan Allen. Uh, nothing, as far as CSW goes, is really effective. A few whiffs, but it's only a 15% whiff rate total on the day. Um, 13 called strikes. It's only a 20% CSW. They do foul off 32 pitches. So, again, that extends those at-bats, uh, keeps those counts going, ramps that pitch count up there. Uh, yeah, I just, it blows my mind that he only lasted less than four innings to throw 98 pitches. Um, so definitely not an efficient start for Logan Allen. And with Cal Quantrill coming back, he was in the dugout tonight. Like everybody's kind of auditioning to make sure they stay in this rotation. And this was not a good sign for Logan Allen. Uh, however, However, he at least at least is able to, you know, finish those, get those outs, not give up any runs, limit, you know, damage, not give up many hits. So, uh, in a sense, it's an it's an okay start. Like, well, we'll give it okay. Uh, obviously, not lasting long enough into the game to really help your team in long term. But hey, he at least did. He at least was effective with the innings he was given, right, on this night. Uh, they made him work. It cost him the win. It cost him, you know, an early shower. 
but he at least put zeros up on the scoreboard. So we'll at least give Logan Allen some credit there. Um, still, you know, hard to get a hit off of. Um, but then the rest of the bullpen comes in and does a great job. I, but at this point, you know, it's kind of a runaway. By the time Henches is in, uh, Sandlin finishes up the fourth and pitches the fifth. Uh, by the time Henches is in, it's a runaway, right? It's already a route. It's already 13 nothing. So the bullpen can kind of put it on cruise control and finish this game. Uh, yeah, that's all my thoughts. I, again, I told you, uh, a game like this, it's to be celebrated. It's not to be analyzed. Uh, you're not going to get many games like this very often with this many extra base hits, uh, this many home runs, especially from the Guardians. So let's enjoy it. Let's celebrate it. Let's enjoy these highlights. Uh, let's enjoy these home run calls from our announcers and stuff like that. Uh, fun game. Fun game. I'm happy I was able to, uh, I was on a night where I was able to take it in and enjoy it. Uh, we do have some emails in the inbox to get to. Uh, Jeff with a G was asking more questions about war and more questions about Jose Ramirez. He said, no need to discuss on the pod. I was just curious. But you know what, Jeff? It's interesting. And I think people might be interested in what you're interested in. So uh, he was looking over on ESPN. And he was looking at the war data again. Uh, and uh, he was looking at third baseman. And Jose Ramirez is actually second behind Matt Chapman. Uh, Chapman has a 3.1 war, uh, according to ESPN. Jose Ramirez has a 2.9. said, even though he has much better offensive stats than Chapman, does this mean that Chapman's defense is so superior that it lifts his war up that much that he's considered a 3.1? Well, I looked over uh, on fan graphs first. And Jose Ramirez beats him in war in fan graph. So it's not F war. Uh, Jose's at 2.9. Chapman's at 2.6. Def- offensively and defensively, because they do break out war that way, Ramirez is better than him in both those categories. So according to fan graphs, Jose is definitely the better player this season. But you're right, over on ESPN, uh, they do have him. Uh, and, uh, it's gonna, man, every time I click a tab over here on ESPN, it like resets the options, uh, looking at third baseman Chapman is a 3.1 Ramirez is a 2.9 and you're right. Everything, uh, is better offensively for Ramirez. He's hitting 32 points higher. Uh, he's got more home runs, more RBIs than Chapman. Uh, his OPS is 92 points higher. Uh, so clearly a superior player. So right, it must be defense. So when I click over to the fielding stats for third baseman, uh, I noticed that uh, as far as defensive war goes, uh, Chapman is ranked higher. They got Chapman at a 1.0 defensive war. They got Ramirez at only a 0.5. So they are doing defense differently over on ESPN. And the biggest difference between Chapman and Ramirez for this thing is that uh, uh, Chapman has had so many more opportunities. Uh, Chapman has technically started uh, more games in the field, so I'm guessing just because of those all those DH days that Jose Ramirez has done. Uh, so uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah, just putouts. Uh, Chapman has 72 putouts. Ramirez only has 47. So maybe more balls are just being hit to him. 
Uh, total chances, yeah. Chapman has had 218. Jose has only had 180. So literally, what is that? 38 more balls have just been hit at Matt Chapman. Uh, he has more assists. Uh, they have the same fielding percentage. Chapman has turned 23 double plays. Ramirez has only turned six. So I think it's just a case here, uh, Jeff, where uh, Chapman just, and it happens on defense. You can't control how many balls are hit to you or if players are in double play situations when the ball is hit to you. So I think Chapman just has had more opportunities, and the way ESPN calculates that, it gives them a higher defensive war. Whereas over in Fangraphs, they clearly do something to adjust for that because Ramirez has uh, you know, almost a, a half a point higher war uh, than Chapman does on the defensive side of things. So yes, a little bit different way of calculating things there. But it, it it's an interesting way to point out that these st- you can't live and die by these stats. You got to kind of look around and see how things are calculated and uh, see why uh, somebody might be ranked higher than somebody else. So thank you for the email, uh, Jeff with a G. I believe Jeff uh, checks in from Columbus, if I remember correctly. All right, we got an email from Rick in Austin. He says, hi, Davey. Uh, I think it's time to promote Oscar Gonzalez and send Arias down to get consistent at-bats. Oscar seems to have had success with not swinging at bad pitches and making solid contact. It's a good time to bring him up while he is hot. His power is sorely missed. I'm also hoping to put Chill Will in center and use Straw as a fourth outfielder. Since Straw can't seem to find a way to get up base, he can be placed there as a pinch runner or you know, go in as a pinch runner at second base in extra innings. Also, he'd be a great defensive replacement in late innings, especially since every game is so close. What do you think? All right, Rick, you got me thinking here, and uh, you got me over on Oscar Gonzalez's page, and uh, I went over to his uh, his Fangraphs page, and I can't look at just the last two weeks, and I can tell you he actually, the last two weeks, you're right, he has been hot. He's been hitting 306 the last two weeks, 882 OPS, He's had a 115 WRC plus, so he has been an above average hitter the last two weeks. However, uh, you know, as far as the entire minor league season goes, uh, he is uh, he's hitting 269, slugging 468. Uh, it's a let's see here, 700 ish, middle 700 ish uh, OPS. Um, but he's only an 82 WRC plus at triple a so far this season. So if you take into account the entire triple a season, he's been a below average hitter. If you look at just the last two weeks, things have definitely improved and stepped up. The thing that's concerning is the strikeout rate. Uh, the strikeout rate is actually higher at triple a than it was at the major league level. This season, he was a 20% strikeout rate at the major league level. It's up to a 23.4% strikeout rate in the minor leagues. Now, the walks have also increased. So his walk, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is a little better in the minors because the walks have increased, but still striking out a ton. Now, the one thing I wish we had uh, we don't have, which is the, like, uh, the Z swing and the O swing, to see his plate discipline numbers. They only track that stuff at the major league level. I don't have those numbers uh, for the minor league level. So, uh, unfortunately we can't see if he's improving in that category, chasing outside of the strike zone, but 
uh, yeah, he, he is hitting a lot better. So, I mean, it might be. It might be the solution the Guardians are looking for, right? They wanted, you know, they're, they're clearly in need of some power in right field. Brennan starting in center field sounds good to me. Sign me up for that. So I, I kind of like your idea. I kind of like your idea there. Uh, Arias has struggled at the plate a little bit, and I know there's things they want him to work on. Uh, frankly, man, uh, Rick Manning let it slip, what was it, the other night maybe, where he said, uh, I'd love to see Arias just start at shortstop for a week and see what happened. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Uh, Ahmed Rosario was good from time to time, but... It just doesn't have that feeling like he's probably just going to walk at the end of the season and one of these young guys are going to win the battle for shortstop. So if that's the case, wouldn't it be nice to just like, see a week of Gabriel Arias there and just see what that looks like next to Andres Jimenez up the middle? It'd be pretty interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that Manning let that just slide out uh, during the broadcast. Uh, so, Rick, I, I kind of like your idea. If Oscar has finally found something, has finally caught on uh, and found his stride at AAA, then uh, maybe it would be fun to see him back up here. So thank you, Rick, for the email. And uh, last but not least, uh, Marlon from Birmingham. Uh, Of course, he checks in with his game report here. Uh, He's happy about this game too. Uh, He did throw out a trade offer again. So now he's looking at the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he said Cleveland should offer to trade Jose Tania to St. Louis for outfielder Moises Gomez. Both teams are trading from a position of strength to address an area of need. Gomez is only 24, will be 25 in uh, August, is a right-handed bat with pop and plays the outfield. He hit 39 homers across AA and AAA last year and already has 18 this year. However, his numbers have dropped. Uh, I'll tell you, I looked at the scouting report for... Uh, Moises Gomez, and he started in the Tampa Bay system, and they let him go because the dude strikes out a ton. Um, he he caught on with St. Louis. He's having a good, still a good uh, minor league season in St. Louis. The power is there. I mean, they've got him graded at a 65 power, but only a 40 hit because the dude strikes out a ton uh, last year, split between two levels, he struck out 174 times in four hundred and in only 442 plate appearances, or at bats, I should say. So maybe a few more plate appearances, but probably under 500 plate appearances there. And uh, yeah, he drew 52 walks to 174 strikeouts. So playing a full major league season, you're looking at a 200 plus strikeout guy. But he also hit 39 home runs, so it would be interesting. It's not the Guardian style, but uh, I I like that you're looking at St. Louis. St. Louis is a team that might be interested in making a trade uh, at some point. So, uh, interesting idea. Interesting. I told you to hit me up with your trade ideas, and Marlon came to us with an interesting one. Um, So, thank you for the email, Marlon. And uh, thank you to everybody uh, for filling up the inbox tonight. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. What a fun game. This is, uh, man, this is this is a ba- this is a night to enjoy your baseball team. 
the final again from Kansas City. It's the Guardians 14, the Royals 1. It bears repeating 14 to 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Wait, 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 wait. I forgot MVP on the day. I forgot MVP on the day. Look, normally Bo Naylor getting his first major league home run, having a three-hit day, normally that would be enough to earn you MVP on the day. But let's be honest, Jose Ramirez's grand slam, that was the moment of the game, right? That There was no looking back from that moment. Without that hit, uh, who knows how this day turns out. So Jose Ramirez... Five RBIs, too. Five RBIs on the night. Bell, not bad. Not bad. Four RBIs for him. Five RBIs from Jose, though. Jose Ramirez is your MVP of the day. All right. Now let's wrap this thing up. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on how ESPN and Fangraphs calculate defensive war. Let me know your trade ideas as we come up. You know, into trade, definitely hot stove, middle of the season, trade deadline territory, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.